I want to speak with you this morning about uh, it, it's something that we have at Vintage up on the sides as we're in the um, time when we're uh, you know in between bread and cup and that and it's the principle of on earth as it is in heaven. It's the statement of when the disciples asked Jesus how they should pray, they say, Jesus, teach us how we should pray. And what he teaches them is that they should pray that his will should be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think there's a reality, a tendency within us that we can be so focused on how we take earth into heaven that we can miss the reality that Jesus' focus was about how to bring heaven to earth. In other words, we can be so focused on how I get me into that place that we miss his invitation and challenge about getting that place into me. There's this reality that uh, we can be distracted and see the principles of heaven through the lens of the principles of earth. And what Jesus invites us to do is instead bring the principles of heaven and apply them into the systems and structures and communities and world in which we live. And so there's a reality that I have very little control over my neighbor, my friend, my colleague. I have very little control over my ability to take them to heaven. But I have every control over bringing heaven to them over bringing the principles of God, the principles of heaven, and applying them into their world. I think this is a a challenge that uh, humans that we've struggled with for for many years since the beginning, we see it played out in the stories that Jesus engaged with and Jesus told as he comes across what we know or, or what we describe in the Gospels as this man called the rich young ruler. And yet the reality about this rich young ruler as we read about him is that he was in reality not a rich young ruler but he was a young man ruled by his riches. In other words, the money in his pocket or the money in his bank account at that time was governing him in a way that he had lost control. And so we see him come to Jesus. We read about it in Mark uh, chapter 10. We're gonna read it together. And it says this, it says, as he, that's Jesus, as Jesus went out into the street, a man came running up, greeted him with great reverence and asked, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. You know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, honor your father and mother. He said, teacher, I have from my youth kept them all. Jesus looked at him hard in the eye and loved him. He said, there's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth and come follow me. The man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear. And he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. This man's question was about what can I get so that I can get into that place? And Jesus' invitation to him was to be emptied so that that place could get into him. Jesus' invitation was to say, you need to let go of the things that have hold of you. 
that the principles of heaven clash with the principles of earth. And so this man is in a sense saying, how do I take earth to heaven? And Jesus says, you can't, but you can bring heaven to earth. You can actually experience the kingdom of heaven right here, right now, but it doesn't work the way that this place works. In other words, the way that this young man had gained safety and security and control and power was by grabbing hold of more, taking hold of more. And Jesus says that may be how it works on earth, that is not how it works in heaven. That to be free and rich in heaven means to let go of the things that have a hold of you here on earth. And so the invitation this morning, what I want to do is talk about this challenge we face of so often trying to say, how do I get into that place? And instead receiving the invitation of how that place gets into me. How the principles of heaven invade my life and the community in which I live. So I want to dive into three stories woven throughout scripture and apply what I would suggest are three principles about what it means to live on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, to bring the principles of heaven and apply them this day in our earth. So principle number one is this. It's this principle of loving beyond our limits. So principle one of what it means to be a people who represent heaven here on earth is to love beyond our limits. We'll jump to uh, Proverbs 25 verses 21 and 22. Solomon writes this. If your enemy is hungry... Give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head and the Lord will reward you. Anyone else, you read this and it's like you're you're tracking with it. You're like, yep, if anyone, this sounds like God. This sounds like a loving God. If your enemy's hungry, give him bread to eat. Got it. Okay. If If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. Got it. And then like this sort of like zinger comes in, for so you will heap coals of fire on his head, right? That's when the spiritual moment is you're supposed to adopt the Scooby-Doo pose and you go, like that, right? You, you go, wait a second. And in fact, you can't just read that scripture because remember, we gotta, we're so often caught applying the principles of earth to heaven versus the other way around. And so you can't just read it, for so you'll heap coals of fire on his head. You have to take on this like angry God voice, right? Which... I've been working on for many years. And so it goes, for so you will heap coals of fire on his head, right? And that's how it sounds. And so um, you'll see one day. Um, So there's this reality where we we are applying the principles of earth to heaven. And yet what what that verse really means is this, is that back in that day, in that culture, in that society, fire was this incredibly precious commodity. Right? If you didn't have fire, you couldn't eat food, you couldn't bathe, and you couldn't keep your house warm. Right? For some of us, that sounds like college days or something like that, but you couldn't eat, bathe, or have a warm house. So this is reality. If the fire in your house went out, you would go to a neighbor or to the community, and you would ask for some of the hot coals from their fire. And you wouldn't just... Um, you wouldn't just go and take a bucket. You wouldn't carry it like this. First of all, it's too heavy. And so you do your back out. Very few chiropractors around in this day and time. And so 
And in addition, if you hold it out in front of you, there's all this heat coming at you, right? So you would carry it on your head. And in addition, what you wouldn't do is take this crate, lay it on the ground, load it up, and then pick up the crate because that's like a really bad, like if you're, you see guys lifting in the gym like this, Russ knows what I'm talking, that's a bad lift, okay? I'm that, I'm that guy trying to, be, trying to lift like this. It's a bad lift. So what you would do is you'd have the crate upon your head and you would ask your neighbor, your community, your friend to load you up with hot coals on your head. And then you'd be able to take this back to your family, to your house, and bring the heat and the security into your house so you could do all the things you had to do as a family. So the principle is that when we apply heaven on earth, the invitation is to love our enemies in such a way that it costs us something dear and something precious. And so we are not only to bring bread to those who are hungry, not only are we to bring uh, drink to those who are thirsty, but we are to bring warmth and security and to survival, not only to the enemy, but to the whole family that he or she is a part of. And in so doing, what you do is find out that your enemy is no longer your enemy, they are your neighbor and your friend. And so if we are gonna be a community or at first of all, individuals, and then a community of people who loves in a way that brings heaven to earth, The principle I want us to take from this scripture is that we are to be the kinds of people who love beyond limits because we have first been loved in a limitless way. And so we look for those opportunities, those moments, not simply to give bread to the hungry, not simply to give drink to the thirsty, but to say, what of my space, what of my home can I give not only to bless my enemy, but to bless their family too, right? Sounds great in theory, a lot harder to live out, right? But the principle of heaven on earth is that I will go beyond the limits of my love. Principle number two, if principle one is loving beyond limits, principle two is acceptance beyond limits. When Jesus walked this earth, Jesus um, was poking at the edges of culture, the systems and the structures that govern that day and turning them upside down. He was like a man who would, he was coming and pulling the towel out from under your feet. If you've ever had, hypothetically, if you have a brother who's four years older than you, who did that to you when you were like six years old, you ended up in the hospital, you'd know what I mean, right? What it means, okay, this is, this is third service. I get to share my emotional wounds um, at this time. But Jesus was turning the world upside down. And so we read about this story in John chapter four. And again, sometimes we can read it through the principles of earth. And the invitation instead is to read it through the lens of heaven. So in John four, we meet Jesus again in John four. And it says this, it says, he came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. 
the Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with and this well is deep, so how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, go, call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put, I have no husband. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Just then his disciples came back, they were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of woman. No one said what they were all thinking but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. So principle number one of heaven on earth is love beyond limits. Principle number two is radical acceptance beyond limits. Here's, here's the reality of what we know about this woman. She was a woman she was a Samaritan and she had been married five times. Step back in time 2,000 years ago and be aware of the fact that, or, or take the context that today in America, we still have a long way to go in terms of bringing equality to men and women. We have a long way to go. And yet the reality is it is better today than it has ever been in history, right? That is not to say today is fine, we have a long way to go. But it is to acknowledge that 2,000 years ago, it was in many ways even worse. And so here is this Samaritan woman divorced five times. And in this time, in this culture, I don't think there could be three descriptors that were harder to carry. That every single one of those descriptors that she was a Samaritan, that she was a woman and that she was divorced five times signaled to the community around her rejection, rejection, rejection. And as if she hadn't suffered enough, the community and society around her layered upon her shame after shame after shame. Now, here's the reality for us. I don't know what descriptors govern your life how you would describe yourself. The statements of shame or brokenness or regret that you might say, this is who I am, who I am, who I am. But this picture for us is an example of what happens when heaven invades earth and Jesus brings radical acceptance to a woman who had only ever felt rejection. You see, the principles of earth would ask the question about this woman, 
what's wrong with her? But that is not the question that Jesus asks. You see, remember 2,000 years ago that this woman, her rights in marriage were close to zero. And so this was not a woman who was stepping into marriage and not caring about its importance or stepping out or any of those things. This was instead a woman who not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but five times had been uh, kicked out of her house by a man and left with nothing. That Jesus' statement to her that she has been married five times was not a critique of her. It was a critique of the men who had treated her so badly. See, it's, it's, it's very likely that she didn't even have a right in this culture to divorce a man. All of the rights belong to the men. And so Jesus sits down with a woman who had felt rejection, 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 and brings radical acceptance to her. You see how she says, um, when he talks about the water, she, first of all, she comes at noon, right, when no one else would be there. And she describes to Jesus, she says, why are you, a Jew, talking to me, a Samaritan woman? She came at a time of the day when no one else would be there, or so she thought, because she wanted to remain invisible. And yet Jesus' statements to her, to this dear woman, were that I see you. And when he tells her her story that she understandably didn't feel able to reveal, when he says, you're right, you've been married five times, I think the heart of Jesus was saying to her, I want you to know that I'm sat here with you, not because I don't know your story, but because I know exactly who you are. I know what you've been through. I know the pain that you've felt. I know the rejection that you've felt. I know how this culture and this society has treated you. And I am here to let you know that you are accepted by me in a way that no man has ever accepted you before. And so principle number two of heaven on earth is this radical acceptance beyond limits. It says of her that she was taken aback. I want to be the kind of man and I want us to be the kind of culture that we bring acceptance into the lives of our neighbors and our colleagues and our friends in such a way that they are taken aback by the acceptance and the love of Jesus. It says about the disciples when they came back that they were taken aback too, but they were shocked for a very different reason. They were shocked because they were assuming the principles of earth applied to the principles of heaven, and Jesus says that is not how this works. And so this story then of this dear woman at a well is a story of a man turning the culture and the society upside down, coming to a woman who had only felt rejection, and bringing radical acceptance to her life. Jesus was a radical, right? And the word radical comes from uh, the same word, or they're, they're linked to the same word meaning root vegetable, right? It's where we get the word radish, right? Which means, it's true, this is, at, which means deep roots. See, we often think of a radical as somebody who's like off the reservation, who's somebody who's out there forging their own path. A true radical is someone whose roots go deep down into the tradition of which they're from. 
And so Jesus was a radical, meaning that his roots went deep, deep, deep down into the very heart of the Jewish religion and culture so that when he sat with the woman at the well, he was showing to the people watching, this is what God has been doing for thousands of years and you've missed it. You've missed it. That if you wanna know where God is sat, look for the person rejected and you will find him sat by them, right? So heaven on earth, not earth on heaven, is radical acceptance. Last principle, principle three, is what I would call, if principle one is that love, the heaven on earth, if principle one is love beyond limits, and principle two is acceptance beyond limits, principle three would be that we have a God without limit. See, God has always been in the business of of bringing us pictures of heaven on earth, not earth in heaven. And so he did this with his people Israel when they left the slavery of Egypt and began wandering in the desert for 40 years. He gives them this picture of the tabernacle, which was something for them to build and create. And it was a picture for them of heaven that they got to carry with them on their journey throughout earth. And in this tabernacle, he gives them all these kinds of dimensions of how tall it is, how wide it is, etc. And all of these different pictures of the materials that can, use, can be used. And what it was for us is a picture of what it looks like to have heaven here on earth. And here's just one of the pictures that uh, I was struck by, and I'm taking a little poetic license on this, right? It's from, a, uh, from Exodus 25 verse 17. God is telling to the people how they should make what's called the mercy seat, right? Which is the ark. There's a covering of the ark made of gold. And upon the mercy seat was where all of the sacrifices would be placed, which was, in other words, the space where the people found mercy. And what we're told about in Exodus 25, verse 17, we're told about the dimensions of the mercy seat, that it is like three and three quarters feet long, and it is like one and three quarters feet in width and the dimension that is missing is the depth because I think the picture that God is giving us in Exodus 25 verse 17 is that when you want to describe the depth of the mercy of God there is no depth that it goes deeper than anything that you and I would ever need and so the principle would be if principle one is that his love is beyond limits. If principle two is that his acceptance is beyond limits, principle three would be that all of him is beyond limits. So we read about it in Ephesians 5, or sorry, Ephesians in multiple places. I'll end with this. We read about in 119, the exceeding greatness of his power, right? Greatness that goes beyond limits. Chapter two, verse seven, the exceeding riches of his grace, grace beyond limits. Three, verse eight, the unsearchable riches of Christ, riches beyond limits. Uh, Three, verse 10, the multifaceted wisdom of God, right? Wisdom beyond limits. And three, verse 18, the width and length of depth of height to know the love of Christ, which surpasses understanding. And lastly, three, verse 20 says that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So if you and I are to be a group of people, a community of people, less focused on how we get ourselves into that place and much more driven by how we get that place into us, then we are to be a people who love beyond limits. We are to be a people who accept 
beyond limits and we are to be a people who know that we are serving a God who is beyond limits. That we can never be outside of the love of God. We can never be too deep for the mercy of God and we can never be outside of the grace of God. And our challenge, I would challenge, challenge us as a group of people to be the kinds of people who sit with the people who feel shame and rejection such that when they engage with you, they engage with Jesus and their response is that they are taken back because they receive something that they never expected to receive. Let's stand together and pray.